0: Welcome to the Mental Dialogue Talk Show. I'm your host, Montoya Smith, a.k.a. Black Socrates. Hope y'all can hear me. I'm having some difficulties getting to the studio. Let me see what's going on here. I do apologize.
1: Give
0: me one second, y'all. I'm having some technical difficulties getting into the studio. I don't see my guests. I don't think they see me we would assume that I am live. Give me one second, working through the board. Sometimes this happens. Every time I do a special, not every time, but all right, here we go. I got people live. All right, I hope y'all can hear me. Let me get my guest on and see if they can, if everybody can hear me. Hope I'm definitely. Hope we're not in dead silence. All right, here we go. Let me do
1: this. All right, here we go. All right, let's see. Ta-da, is that you?
2: I'm
0: here. All right. Could you hear me talking in the initial part? I couldn't get into the studio, so I was just checking. I know. Yeah. It.
2: Okay. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. perfect.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. We live. In, okay. Let me get my guest on. So I do apologize for the initial intro for everybody. I'm up here trying to play the intro music, and it wouldn't let me do anything, and I couldn't see y'all. Okay. So here the board is. We live. All right, y'all. Everybody. Work with us. Sometimes it does happen. We have a little rough start. We've got a couple of special guests on for this special edition Mental Dialogue Talk Show. This morning's discussion. I'm so used to having this on Saturday mornings or this Monday evenings. Um, discussion, domestic terrorism, mental health, and race. We have on a couple of special guests. Let me get them on as well. Anisha Cooper, as well as Rochelle Hunt. How y'all doing, ladies? Sorry about the, the rough start. I couldn't get in the studio, but I got y'all live and direct now. How y'all doing this evening?
3: Doing well,
0: I'm doing, doing well. well. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. no, absolutely. No, absolutely. Rochelle, we will actually start with you, uh, again, as a special guest. And I get my, my my queen, Chardon Reynolds, holding me down again. I'm trying to get this thing back on track. Uh, but we'll start with you as a special guest, if you will. Give a little bit of your background and how it relates to this evening's discussion question, which, again, is domestic terrorism, mental health, and race, and we're glad to have you. Thank you for being with us.
4: Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Rochelle Hance. I'm a licensed associate professional counselor in the state of Georgia. Um, I'm also a nationally accredited counselor, and I am certified clinical trauma professional. And so this topic is actually very near and dear to me as being a trauma professional, it's imperative to help understand the dynamics that are happening in today's society and how it's impacting um, each and every person.
0: No, Absolutely. Thank you for that. We also have a colleague of yours, Manisha um, Cooper, and thank you, Rochelle, for, again, bringing another perspective to this evening's discussion. And as we always do on the Mental Dialogue Talk Show, we welcome all different perspectives and opinions. So glad to have you as well, Anisha. If you will, uh, share with any of my true seekers out there listening a little bit of your background as it relates to this evening's discussion questions.
3: Uh, my name is Anisha Cooper. I am a licensed professional counselor, a board-certified counselor, and like Rochelle said, uh, we're both certified clinical trauma professionals. Uh, this topic is really important to me because people of color experience a significantly higher rates of mental um, illness and concerns due to minority stress. And so the fact that um, these kind of events are happening in our society and aren't being fairly dealt with, I think it's important that we speak to it.
0: No, absolutely, and glad to have both of you as well. Um, well Nisha, I think it may. Be, I'm just. I'm guessing it may be you. Maybe something in the background, just a little bit. I don't know. If, if, um, if whoever, you know, again, whoever it may be, if you will, just kind of mute yourself uh, as we go along, because we can't hear that um, live on the air. Um, Without further ado, again, my special guest co-host, I'm glad to have my queen, my sister Shadon Reynolds, and to be honest, uh, she's the reason we're doing this special edition show is she posted something in reference to this specific um, topic earlier this week, and we just wanted to further delve into it, and so, Queen, glad to have you on, glad to have you co-hosting. I know you're glad we got our special guest, but if, you know, other than that, let's Go ahead and tell people your background and why this subject is so near and dear to you. And, again, you are the reason we do have this special edition show, so the floor is yours.
2: Absolutely. Well, hello to the queens that have joined us, and I'm so grateful for your expertise this evening. Um, my name is Sherdon Reynolds. I am the CEO of She Printed LLC as well as She SheWear Club. And this issue is very near and dear to my heart because – I feel like we, there's always a conversation around mass shootings and really in a white privilege way, speaking about mental illness and all of the reasons why they did it, and they're viewed in such a positive light. And what really triggered this for me was that when one of the president's um, office holders, I, I can't recall who it was, when someone asked them about the shootings, they said, Well, don't forget about the number of killings that were that are still happening in Chicago. And I'm originally from Chicago. And so for me, uh, although we know they're really good at the bait and switch, it just triggered something in me to say, okay, if we're going to have that conversation, then let's have that conversation the same way that you want to have the conversation about these white men who are killing and obsessed. And then it also reminded me of a fear that I have that I get laughed at about that I really have anxiety and fear around white men. I'm very uncomfortable when I'm in public places, when I see them. Um, I don't like them behind me or around me. And when I tell my friends that when we're out and about and if there's like a white guy hovering around and I get really uncomfortable, particularly if if I'm in a primarily black establishment and they're there, and people kind of laugh it off. And that just amazes me because they don't have that same ha-ha-ha, there's no threat thought process when it's a black man everybody still is in agreement with you and ready to clutch their purses including african-americans so i thought it was an important conversation
0: hey, here answer. we are <laughs> no i love it I, I, you, you deserve a long answer that's why i said the floor is yours again if if you're the reason we're doing this discussion and there's so many things that we could touch on and the very thing that you just mentioned um i think is is valid in that sense and it also if, if somebody is a first time listening to the mental dialogue Talk show and our platform. I think they've just realized we are candid as they come. Everything can be brought to the table. We welcome all opinions, all passions, all expressions. Uh, we just ask that you know we be respectful of one another. And so that's your valid feeling. Again, there's if I can't mention there somebody is doing something in the background. If you could mute yourself, it uh, definitely is being heard on the air. I'm just throwing it out for any of you. Uh, with that said, um, again, um, we're glad to give you that floor um what i'll actually i'll kind of revert to either one of our professionals in this sense um you say hey, there's a level of anxiety that that you experience based on what you're seeing out there and rochelle i guess i'll start with you again in the sense when you hear Shadon mention that's her anxiety level when people kind of laughed it off uh you being you know a professional counselor and we'll ask you as well Anisha, me so you want to hear both of your thoughts on how and why and, and from your perspective um Is that a feeling that you see or hear about, or just what are your thoughts on her feeling that way, whereas, as she said, a lot of her friends just kind of laugh her off. So, uh, Rochelle, we'll start with you.
4: Um, Well, I definitely want to validate her uh, emotional response based on the climate that's happening in the environment with all of the shootings. So it's prevalent in your face, so it makes a lot of sense, excuse me, It makes a lot of sense as to why the fear would increase, especially now to the point of anxiety, when this is something that you're constantly stimulated by, by hearing in the news, by scrolling through Instagram, and all kinds of social dynamics, it's not even safe anymore to go to Walmart. So it's it's very understandable, and I want to completely validate um, your experience of fear that right now it's more heightened due to what is happening and you're seeing on a constant basis. So I would validate that.
0: Anissa, any thoughts from you as well in reference to her anxiety that she's experiencing?
3: Uh, Again, you know, to second Rochelle, I think it's important to validate it. Also, I wanted to speak to a difference in opinion when when others aren't comfortable with acknowledging, like, how real these threats are. We never, ever – count on us to be the person that's in that Walmart. You, you understand yeah. what I'm saying? And so I think that people, mm-hmm. um, I mean, and I think black people are just really don't. We, we, uh, we can make light of so many things. We can make humor out of darkness. And I think um, sometimes it may feel very invalidating to receive that when it's real for you. And I think that's important um, that culturally the way that we've grown to survive in my opinion, um, anecdotally even, is, in my circles, is making light and making fun of things that are so real to us. And so um, sometimes people aren't ready to be like, no, this this thing that we're laughing about, th- that's real. We're trying to laugh it off, but
5: mm-hmm.
3: it's something that actually affects us deeply. So I can see um, on the other side that person thinking it's, you know, not nah, nah, makes
0: sense. And, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh. Whoever that is. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: Oh, no, that was all, just them in the background saying, oh, you know, you're trying to be funny about something, and
2: they just aren't ready to acknowledge it." Okay, gotcha, I just missed
0: Okay. No, absolutely. And, say, and then I, obviously – oh, go ahead, please.
2: No, I'm sorry. I just wanted to kind of chime in on that because I totally understand that I use humor to mask a lot of things that we're feeling to get past, it. I know culturally that's what we do. I guess for me it's more – we don't seem to have that same sense of humor when it comes to uh concerns of our own it It almost feels like we're starting to buy into the hype that we're violent that we're the problem, and so again, especially with me being from Chicago and having other african Americans um, but just people of color in general seem to be disgusted when they think of the shootings and gang violence and things like that, and they don't, and if they see a young man that walks in the store and he has his pants sagging down and things like that, there's this instant fear or discomfort or at the least disgust towards that person versus when it's that white man that we see terrorizing America right now, there's If you look at those three white guys, right, they all had the exact same look guy with glasses. And then you, but the next day you can walk into a restaurant and see a white guy with glasses and not even think twice about him. And that's the piece that I don't understand how we don't even associate them in any way, despite all of the evidence that they have a violent streak. In that way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead.
4: I I think what you're getting to, I hear the wave of and it, it it could sound very uh, the truth of it I think in some places is white people in some instances don't pose a threat to us in the bodily image and so that initial reaction of we cause them more threat in the sense of which is why slavery and different things of our strongest our resiliency and I think that is what you're getting so much of in the wave of society now when your friends are making light of situations because it's more like if that person didn't have the gun or whatever that device is, we believe as in us and our people as in the resiliency of us. If, does that make sense when you hear that versus, and I get the wave of what's been constantly pushed in the media as we are the bad ones, but I think it's also the wave in that because we get that, we also have a resiliency in how we believe to see the other side of it. And I think that's why you see such a decreased
2: fear. I can, I can understand that. Uh, I could, uh, yep. I can understand that. Do I still, I still think that there's um, some concern there in just what that, what message that sends to the next generation and, you know all of that. I fully um, agree. But I do, but I totally get what you're saying.
4: I fully agree, and I think that's why this is important that we have topics and conversations like this, because it helps to bring light into a lot of the innate interactions and behaviors that we're doing that are framing us to actually be okay with what is happening in today's society.
0: Yeah, very and important to, point, um, right? Yeah, please go ahead, Miss. Please, absolutely.
3: Oh, I was um, saying to, to make sure that I was coming across clearly, I I feel like some people, um, when we are feeling threatened, I feel like in my circle um, sometimes they can feel like people can laugh things off where I might take them seriously and vice versa, like not being able to – empathize with you you were saying like some people are are, um dismissive of the way that you feel about white men in a room and i feel like those are some of the friends that you might have that aren't ready to address that reality that we are walking among like the everyday person is could be that that person and that's a fear that nobody wants to maybe like confront just yet
1: And let's
0: do that right here. This is a perfect opportunity to to peel that back. You know, like you said, like Rochelle, you said, this is a great opportunity to have these discussions. And so um, as I listen to all of you speak, it sounds very similar to something that we consistently talk about when it comes to, in a sense, the mental health space. The mental health space of kind of, in a sense, as you say, Rochelle, there's a level of resiliency that we've built up. But in do in building up some of that resiliency, we're not always the best to one another when it comes to this example, like Shadun saying, where she's experiencing this 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 anxiety, and so uh, as you're saying, Anisha, Anisha, I'm sorry, in the sense that we won't confront it, so we will make the, the 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 stance or we will create a level of resilience that we say this is how you're supposed to respond and as y'all are saying we would train the next generation to respond with this 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 instance of resiliency when it's in reality causing damage because it's it's an unwillingness to face that this new thing might be our reality or that we should consider or respect. Done as she's saying, you know, specifically pointing out her own situation, that she's, you know, having this anxiety, we have been trained to lack empathy and look down or, you know, to a certain extent, ridicule, like, why are you acting like that? Like, we'll take that stance, and it actually furthers and deepens trauma because the next generation keeps basically taught to hold their cool poles, never let them see you sweat. When in reality, a lot of people are sweating and are experiencing mental issues, whether it be anxiety or whatever else may come with it. So it's definitely an opportunity to say, hey, that, teaching that response may not be okay. I, I know I said a lot there, um, but I'll just kind of shoot to you, uh, Rochelle, just to peel it back in a probably easier way than I suggested it. But it's definitely the reason we need to have these conversations.
4: I think it's just the – not only the resiliency, but just in how Anisha was talking about, that's definitely a difficult concept to have to really think in that it's not just what we perceive as a day-to-day uh, or the outlying day of a threat. It is the typical person who just has on the glasses, who has on khakis, who is just, you know, your next-door neighbor. And I think – That is very, very difficult for people to really conceptualize and understand that it it, it can always be that next person right next to you. It doesn't – they don't – danger doesn't look a specific way. And I think that's the the biggest thing that has to be reframed and understood. There's not one specific way that a person looks that makes them a killer. There's not one specific way that a person looks that makes them do something dangerous. And I think that's the misconception that is being put out when you're watching the news Mm -hmm. because you're constantly seeing Mm -hmm. the same type of people on the news, so it makes it look like, okay, so these are the people that's dangerous. And now Mm -hmm. what's happening, we're starting to see a shift that it's these White men who look the same. These are now the threats, but that's such a cultural shift in everything that we've constantly been seeing in the news that it's 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 kind of it's difficult to achieve that. As you said, it's not just this one look. Now it's so many different looks that can be very overwhelming, and which is partly what you're saying, Shadon, is what's causing a lot of anxiety for many of people that um, are dealing in today's society.
2: Yeah, I would I would uh, take it a step further and just say there there's so many pieces of this to me, and one of the things is just something as simple as saying they look like the everyday person, right, And you hear that on the news, and you know that's kind of your reference and in my mind, how is it that there's a quote unquote everyday person look when it comes to white America? But there's a clearly the defined thug gangster, you know, look in our community. Like, why is it that he? Why isn't that defined a serial killer look, or a mass shooter look, or you know what I mean? Like, because traditionally, uh, and and again, not to say oh we should fear all white men with glasses. That's not what I'm saying. But if we look at all of them, there, there were those similarities, the loner, the, you know, gothic kid, the kid who got bullied, like the, there, there's these similarities. So why shouldn't we say, oh, we should pay attention to these mannerisms, behaviors, appearances in the same way that we're so quick to put a definition on a quote unquote look when it comes to a black man. Like I don't, cause not, I'm not talking about overall society. I'm, I mean, I'm talking about overall society, but I'm also trying to figure out how did we create this disassociation or ability to see white people in a certain way that we can't see ourselves. To make sure I get what you're saying,
3: Um, you're asking why are are we like stereotyping a certain look to be like an everyday look for white people and then a specific um, look? To be
2: associated with criminal activity. Yeah, in African Americans, there's definitely a look that's associated with criminal behavior. But there, but it seems like we're not comfortable as a nation with associating a look or an appearance appearance with criminal behavior when it comes to white America.
3: Got you, got you. I think um, I think we're still trying to learn the nuance of, uh, stereotyping, you know, I think there's times when we can get defensive and then about like this using that same tactic on us, but then that's what we are starting to do with white people. And I feel like this its a nuance about it. There's one thing to just, um, educate on fear, just educate people on this is what criminals look like versus this is an awareness. um, And I think the difference would be specific behaviors. I feel like every time they bring on a hour special on some of these terrorists, these domestic terrorists, you're getting so much empathy for this character rather than understanding like, no, this could have been stopped a long time ago. We're not doing all these specials on Trayvon. We're not doing all these specials on where where we can create that same level of empathy in majority society and i hate that. So i think that's what the issue is is that people we aren't we aren't comfortable doing that just yet. And i i just want to i hope that we can start teaching some types of um awareness to look for to help people prevent these types of things. But we won't do anything as simple as like this gun legislation. Um, and that's a whole other topic for another day. <laughs> so let me let no, me throw
5: this out there. Exactly, no. yeah. I think. Let that me throw this out. Exactly
4: what the biggest thing though, okay, go go is, uh okay, that awareness piece, and when we're saying that there's no. I think that's the refrain that's happening now in today's society is when it's that everyday people, that term that you're hearing, it's because it's different than what they have always portrayed in of the black man with the the thug and he has his Mm -hmm. pants hanging down. It's now, as we're saying, you... Have identified it is could be the guy with the glasses and that that is the stereotype that's being put in and the whole thing is like Anisha says to remove the stereotype at all it doesn't look like a specific person which is why I completely validate your response as if it's just this white man but that's also a stereotype now that's being heightened because what if it's an Asian man. It doesn't matter what the the gender or the nationality of the person is. It goes into the awareness of how is this person moving. And the biggest thing that I think that you said that we have to really identify is behaviors behind that. That person was a loner. So who's talking to that person? Where is this outlet coming from? And these are the triggers that that's Anisha talking about that could have been stopped a long time ago because that's not what we're focusing on. We're focusing on what they did versus on what led up to that and that's what's created yeah, and I think it's based
3: right. on yeah and based on that experience and so if you haven't been exposed to enough white men doing criminal activity making you feel uncomfortable because honestly um Shadon is that you you were saying earlier I can completely empathize in not feeling completely comfortable in a room having a white man but if I, I am I'm you in that circle and another person is like what's What's wrong with you, and you she tripping off of something. But my experience informs me that this person makes me uncomfortable. And their experience, they can't. They don't connect with that. And so I am having a different awareness because my experience will inform my behavior. And I feel like a lot of ignorance is based on only being exposed to one experience. So ignorance says, oh, I'm not aware of any other human being other than black men that look specifically like this doing criminal activity. Your experience has now told you this is what to associate and your awareness will heighten it. So every time you see this person that says this is your experience, you immediately go, Okay, danger. Like our brains compartmentalize. And so that's why we have to stop of uh, like like you were saying, for this even being a platform it's a beautiful thing because we can expose people to different experiences, so they can be have um, a more well-rounded um, response. Now, I'm not afraid of black men because I understand like they aren't the only people committing crimes.
0: So let me throw this in there, and again, in reference to as we we're talking about how we respond and who we look for, uh, I definitely I think it, it all of us would absolutely agree if there's understanding behind these behaviors, especially when it comes to mass shooters, for example, uh, that def, if there's a way to stop it, it would it would literally be anyone who happens to be close to them learning, you know, in a sense, how to deal with that person
2: uh,
0: along the way so that they don't get to that point. So I think there's some validity in that. What I would ask or, My challenge in everything I've been listening to, I have a a, a challenge, and I want to hear everybody's thoughts on this. And my challenge is, and it's similar to what you had mentioned earlier, Rochelle, when you said, they don't look a certain way. Um, I feel like there's so much truth in that statement that trying to live in society in which, you know, we have to prosper and and try to do the things that we want to do for our families and – Keep in mind we all know how the media definitely pushes and sensationalizes and creates some level of anxiety when, you know, as y'all said, for example, these last few shooters maybe have had similar looks. Um, I have to say maybe because I don't watch TV purposely uh, in a sense to to stay away from, um, you know, getting in this space, again, not to knock anyone who does. It's just an approach I take that I would throw out right now that in reality when it comes to something like this, I am I will stand with with that statement, Rochelle, where you say, Hey, it doesn't have a certain look. And what happens is if I roll with that statement, then if in my opinion, the best way to be able to go into society is, you know, there's a certain level of common sense, you stay on your Ps and Q's kind of regardless. But for me to be overly concerned with it I do think it um, ends up being a bigger issue to to be to be overly concerned. The example I will use, if y'all are familiar with it, but unfortunately, if you're familiar with um, uh, where's the doctor uh, Tyson DeGrasse, if I'm saying his name correctly, he had a unfortunately a very tone deaf response just last week after the mass shootings, where he put out a Twitter st- statement saying. You know, suicides, um, cancer, and all these different things cause way more deaths than these mass shootings, and it was just terrible timing on his part. Um, his attempt, again, it wasn't well received, and he definitely shouldn't have done it at that time. His attempt was to basically say, calm down on the anxiety that's being pushed, even though these two shootings have happened so close. Again, terrible timing. I'm not trying to validate he should have done it at that time. But his point was to kind of say what his point was, we have these preventable diseases that kill way more people than these scenarios, and his his point was to say these are the things we should be focused on versus being afraid of these Unfortunate mass shooters, regardless of who they are and where they come from, because they are so limited. So I, I'm again, I'm trying to say all of that to say, as far as how do we carry and how do we respond. I'm actually concerned if we're going to become more responsive to certain looks, because it's it's that same stereotyping that that gets us in prison more. So another version of it, regardless of who is done to, just makes us more fearful for society, is what. Well. I would offer and I don't know if that's best for our community who suffers through a lot of other things versus adding that on top of it. That's again a long way of saying you know, saying that. Any thoughts, Michelle? And I definitely want to hear uh Shadon after that, but I wanna jump back to you because I used your statement to kind of lead off um,
4: my thoughts. Um, I think it was I think that perspective right there, though, can be taken out of context and create a society of people then who are misinformed. So I think you want to be very careful when you tell people not to, to be overly sensitive because then also you can't determine someone's level of sensitivity based on their experience. If I was in the Boston Marathon and something happened, then I am in Oklahoma, and it gets bombed, and then I'm in D.C., and it gets bombed. I'm going to be a lot more heightened in my experiences, and Mm -hmm. it's not fair for it to be then called oversensitivity. And so it's more about empathizing and trying to understand the experiences of people, and I think that's the overall conversation, and it's, it's not so much of a common sense, but more awareness, because something might not be common to me if I'm not used to it, and I think that's what the biggest thing is having this conversation is opening perspective so it's not just something that you're used to. It's not watching the news or not watching the news, it doesn't have to be a specific news, you just have to be informed. And so I just want to make sure that people are utilizing an outlet to where they know what's happening so that they, they can then be the change that's happening in the world so that we can have a better society and generation. Because if you're not aware that, uh everyone now is heightened by a specific population of white men because that's what we're constantly seeing on the news, then how do you help reframe their perspective? Because you don't even understand theirs since you're only looking in tunnel vision of yours. So it's I think it's a, a larger, grander scheme of creating awareness on not only stereotypes, but on the way that you choose to receive the information that's happening in society.
0: Okay. Um, go ahead, Shadon. Oh, if I can say this very quickly and again I didn't even realize that and again this is t- sometimes you don't understand how you're coming off and it's just something to throw out there. Um I definitely don't don't think I I definitely intend to be saying oversensitive, um or at all. Like that wasn't even a part of my thought process, but it was more or less um you know, for me personally, you're getting kind of staying away from some of that sensationalization in the news. It was just kind of suggesting that, um, in a sense going forward if there's something that that that's maybe looking like it's happening more than it really is, getting over concerned about it will create more anxiety for us. So I I hope I'm not saying be that don't be oversensitive to it, but if that's what I'm saying I have to respect that. shadun please go ahead go ahead. We also have a caller as well, but I'm gonna let you get your response in first, Shadun, and then I'll go to the caller um after you.
2: Yeah, I I would just uh, say for one I absolutely uh, agree with what you're saying that we do have to be careful in the work that we choose and uh because everyone's experience is different, but I would also challenge us to to move away from that I think we're so caught up in the last two shootings that we're making it, we're making it seem like it's not that big of a deal, you know what i mean like and i don't I know that's not your intention, uh Montoya or any of us, but Again, we've had 250 or 251 mass shootings in 2019 this year, and we're, what, a little bit over halfway through the year. So that's, that's definitely a problem. That means there's 250 men out there that have taken a number of lives, and that's a that's an issue. That's an epidemic, and it does need to be addressed in that way. And I think, yes, we're talking about it more intensely because two of them happened back to back, but it's way bigger. It's a much bigger issue than we're letting on, I think. I think that we give it a pass and it's easier if if we hear about the one or two shootings in a black neighborhood over gang violence. I, I'm curious and I don't know what the numbers, like. I have, but I wonder what are the numbers as it relates to the body count, and I know that sounds insensitive, but Yes, it may have only been 250 or 251 killings versus they may say in Chicago there was 70-some shootings or what have you, but body-to-body, body, if one guy is taking out 20 people and that happens 251 times, that's a, that's a huge issue. And we, I think there should be enough concern, not necessarily to create anxiety or fear, but to create awareness to make us say let's step back and pay attention And I also understand that we have to, there needs to be someone who's in the lives of that person to say, hey, something's not right about this guy. But I can't do that when I'm in the Walmart, right? I don't know his background. I don't have the ability to do that. So there should be some things that I, that we should be able to look out for in the, in the instance, because it happened again at uh, Sam's Club. I think the guy walked in, he had full body armor, guns, all of that stuff. And yes, they reacted, but some people still just walked away like it wasn't a big deal, and that could have never happened if he was a black man.
5: So
0: yeah, I, I will respect. What I want to do is I want to make sure I want to make sure I have the information correct. Um, I will say, in a sense, because yeah, those two, because there are so many uh, mass shootings, just to, just to give some context. And I'll try to have the finest information. We're going to go to the caller, but I'm going to try to look it up while we're on the show. But just to give a context of what's considered mass shootings, um, because that 251 is, it, it, it sometimes is including just four. I mean, I'm saying, I mean, it sounds crazy, just four people being killed or whatever. But that number, again, when we start talking about politics, there are political narratives for how the numbers come out. So I just still want to put them in context uh you know, to a certain extent, so I will attempt to do that while we're talking to the um next caller. Let me get the next caller on real quick. if you're out there on the line and want to get in, you do need to press one to let us know you want to speak if you're online, the number to get in is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one again that number is six four six seven eight seven one six nine one you will have to press one to let us know you want to you want to speak. Let's go to a caller. Area code four zero four, last three four five seven. Give us your name, hey. where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning's. This I keep saying that i don't have it. This evening special edition mental dialogue talk show. We, who we got? Yeah, this is Naj, nice,
1: man. Uh, how you doing?
0: How you doing, King? All right,
1: hey y'all, me good,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah You coming yeah, through okay. loud and clear with Let's Scott Force? Just, just make yeah, it drop sure. Cents on this head, yeah, cents Yeah, you good?
1: Having headphones issue. Yeah, I don't think you went far enough, like, as, uh, criticizing Tyson uh, for the little post he made. Not that we should spend all day arguing back and forth on social media, but this is something that's kind of rampant in some of the STEM fields, where people get this STEM education but didn't get enough humanities, and they take that same data point mindset to all other issues. You know what I mean? It's that whole, you know, when you all you have is a hammer, everything mm-hmm. is a nail. So you say, statistically, mm-hmm. these murders are da 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 okay, that's not only a lack of empathy, that's putting us in a position to where we're either looking away at things like this or we're not recognizing trends. So I would, I would be even more critical of Dr. Tyson for what he said, not just because, you know, I, I thought it was just a raggedy post to put out there, but just somebody with that kind of following, like not understanding we had a six-month news cycle for a Now when we have something like this happen, Two weeks, then after that, it's probably out of the news. Now, during this same period, we're dealing with what? YouTube and other social media, which is kind of acting as radicalization devices. Uh, We used to say fascism can't happen here. Now we say uh, we need to have an open dialogue, freedom of speech for everybody, and now you have kids being radicalized online, turning into alt-right and alt-Nazi type people and making arguments with people all day about these things they believe in. Uh, fascists almost won the election in France. Like, this is a global issue that is going on, and these shootings are part and parcel of it, not to mention a president who is kind of inflaming things with some of his language. But, like, these aren't, like, random occurrences. Like, this, all of this is going on at the same time, and we can't really be flipping about it. Now, I agree with you about, you know, mass media and major news sites, uh, get enough of it to inform yourself and then turn it off. Don't get into trauma porn where you're just watching hours and hours of coverage of them just running ads to you because that it can become that too. So you kind of have to, you know, choose your diet as far as intellectually what information you want and who you're willing to trust. But uh, this, this is a good conversation, man. I'm, I love listening to y'all. I just had to call in on that Tyson point because I was hot with him with that one.
0: I respect it, King. Absolutely, I respect that. Again, we welcome all opinions. I'm going to let special guest Anisha Cooper kind of respond to you. We've got some other people on the line. Make sure if you're trying to get in, you do have to press one. I think you said your name was Naj, man. Thank you for your three cents uh, this evening, but I'll let Anisha kind of jump on um, first since you can can reference what Naj had to say or anything else you've heard this evening. Yes.
3: You've
5: been on the line. Mm Yes.
3: Yeah, um, not. thank you so much for calling in and giving that perspective. I, I just think it's so important that we be empathetic to one another. Um, I think that uh, we all have a common goal, which is to raise um, our own awareness, our own um, just enlightenment, if you will. I feel like the black community coming together, having that common goal is so critical in this conversation. I just think we have different ways of getting there. And so there are people who are – trying to take care of themselves, and it might look like um, creating some type of boundaries with what they're digesting in the media. Um, the next person might look at that and be like, no, you need to stay aware. You need to be watching this and don't become um, desensitized to it. And so it's all about perception. One person is not perceiving the other to be doing something to reach this common goal, but we're, mm. we're trying to take care of ourselves. We just have to know right. how to do that. And I think that's what's so magical about us. We have these common threads, but we we are also all individuals. And so I'm hoping, like Naz was speaking to, that we don't become desensitized to what's happening, but also that we don't move from a place of fear but from a place of empowerment. And so paying attention to those, um, those pieces that Shadon was talking about earlier, she was uncomfortable. Her intuition spoke to that. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying we need to be empathetic to her, just like we're being empathetic to the other people in her group that are trying to take care of themselves as the best they know how. And that might not be recognizing that. And the co- commonality here is just, hey, I am not comfortable with this. I don't feel safe with this. We are not giving this enough attention. And do what works for your community. you got to kind of find your tribe. Um Because, I mean, even just like my father, my father my mom, they don't quite understand what I do. You know, you go to God, you pray, that's the great counselor. And (laughs) I had to mature my own walk to be like, okay, they did the best they could with what they had, Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to offer a different perspective. So thanks, Nog. I think it's just important that we empathize with one another, not become desensitized, and take care of ourselves the best way we know how.
0: Yeah, and we've got another caller, so I'm going to go ahead and jump the caller in as well. And when we come out of the caller, um, Shadon, we'll definitely um, hear from you. And the one quick thing I will just to kind of offer, even in you know maybe my personal approach of, in a sense, not watching it, um, yeah, the goal is not to be unaware, per se. Again, it still hits. I mean, I can talk about it because it still hits um just through my advertising on social media, so I still get some sense of it. Um, but I, I'm really saying it more from a perspective of not to be desensitized. But just knowing that we're dealing with so many traumas, that I'm always fearful of adding one of this nature. Again, just to throw that out there. Let's get to the caller and area code eight six four last three two four four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this special edition Mental Dialogue Talk Show. Yes, yeah. sir. My name is Equat I'm calling from South Carolina. How's everybody? Hey, what's up, Ekwonu? Thanks for calling in, King. What you got for us? Uh, and I appreciate you man for saying my name right, brother. I I I work on it, that, brother. We got to do that to I, each other. Absolutely. Time, you're very adamant on addressing me, you know, as as equine, So, I, I can appreciate yeah. that. A lot of times, you know, people kind of roll over that. And and I think that is a place, you know, and from which you guys were were just speaking that we need to respect each other. You know, us mm-hmm. as black people where we have become, and, and I was listening to the system, we have become more so empathetic to the things that are non-organic to our being, and we will back down quickly things that are organic to our being. You understand? I, I can't speak for everybody. I know the thing that makes me black is my Africanness, and I know that by looking at my grandmother. We've also done, um, you know, uh testing and whatnot. So Mm -hmm. right, so so we do know that we trace our lineage back to Africa. That's not the majority of our people. The majority of our people aren't considerate. They aren't empathetic to a lot of the atrocities that have happened to them people. But at the same time we can be the same people that are empathetic to our own oppressor. I saw that in the case of Dylan Roof. We all saw Dylan Roof Go into the church and and shoot up all those people, and the very next day we saw our brothers and sisters saying, "Well, hey, we forgive you." And I think this may sometimes be the level of empathy we carry, and it may allow us to not be as so so much intuitive as we need to be, you know. So I I, I think when we are caring, my grandmother told me this: self-preservation is the first law of nature. So when we see a lot of the things that are going on, even when we see what's embodied in Donald Trump, in reality speaking, they're really not wrong for creating a system that is going to protect and preserve themselves first. We are upset because we think, you know, America was kind of made for everybody. America was never made for everybody. It was always made off the backs of everybody else, and it was a thing to support the Europeans. You understand why everybody else worked and, you know, got killed. And and this is basically the nature of America. So I think it is very important, going back again to respect, that we are kind to each other, respecting each other, and also loving those things that are in our natural being. You understand? Loving the fact that we are black, loving the fact that we come from so much rich history that everybody else steals from. And they basically spit it back out to us, and we will take the regurgitated, or we'll take the throw-up. Mm-hmm. When we can just say, if that, we're going to skip over that and go right to the source. And as we're celebrating Marcus Garvey, you know what I'm saying? Martin Luther King, no, we respect it. Let me, get,
1: let, me, let me jump
0: in on you, King. Let me jump on, on you, because I, okay. I definitely want to hear um, Shadon's thoughts. Um, To a lot of what you had to say, because I I feel like some of it's coinciding where where she was coming from from the initial portion. Um, Thank you so much for the vivid three cents. We got some other callers out there and appreciate you very much, Iquanif. And absolutely, there's definitely an effort to respect um, each other's name. That's something that's definitely necessary in showing respect for each other. So that was intentional. Thank you so much, King, for your thoughts. You're done. The floor is yours.
2: Yeah, I I absolutely appreciate his take on it. And loosely, I agree with what what he's saying, and I'll just kind of clarify what my takeaway was, that it's easier for us to um, empathize with others, and we don't seem to offer that same empathy to those who look like us. And I don't know if we, if it's a, um, we don't think that we're worthy, that we're believing what society has told us, is that, you know, we don't. We're not the everyday person, quote, unquote, right, like we were saying uh, in describing these killers, um, that we are second-class citizens, but we struggle with seeing each other and imposing and empathy. And then so a part of why I wanted us to have this conversation is really what I want us to touch on is the mental and uh, PTSD trauma and things that have happened to us as African-Americans, because if we, ha- if we believe an ounce of the notion that these white men are suffering from mental illness and this is why they're acting in this way, why can't we take that and use it to address some right. of the shootings and killings that are happening in our community? So I'm okay with the idea that it's centered around mental illness, but if mm-hmm. that is the case, How do we then address that in our communities, and can we then show more empathy for these young men who may think the only way out is to shoot and kill one another, um, It's just basically to survive maybe? Or because they're experiencing PTSD, because I believe as a minority you live with PTSD, just being born a minority. But That's just my three cents, as Montoya would say.
4: No, that's
0: very major, and I think that's a great shift, and we'd have to move to that. I'm going to have Rochelle kind of address that, because that is what, that's the, really the post that you put up, right? You know, where yeah. is that, you know, where is that type of empathy? Not only is where is that type of empathy, but we do know that generally speaking our our kids, our youth, our men, are just thrown, you know, thrown in prison and the keys thrown away. And like you said, your question is, you know, where is, you know, some of those very young, you know, men may be in areas where due to their survival or due to their environment, they're suffering even more trauma than maybe the average, you know, me growing up as a country boy, I didn't experience what you experienced in Chicago, you know, Shadon or whatever. And so, um, you know, whatever trauma I may experience is definitely not going to be to the degree that, you know, you know, what you grew up in, in Cabrini Green, you know what I mean? So, so with that said, you know, where is, the empathy and the efforts to find the Rochelle and the niches of the world. So Rochelle, if you can kind of jump in, because I think that is very critical to tonight's um, discussion.
2: Can I just say one quick thing before she jumps in? Uh, another point is that on Fox news that they take away, they started to analyze and say these young men didn't have fathers and all that stuff. And that's another reason why, I wanted us to address that in our community, right? Can, can we have that same empathy if we are trying to flip that and make that the reason why these young men are killing because they don't have fathers and they're suffering from mental illness? Okay.
0: Michelle, are you there? I know we've said a lot, but you could just, yes. if, if you can, okay, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Queen.
4: Uh, I think I just keep going back to the central theme of it's. It's not so much of a separation. It's just awareness in the totality, like even expressing one difference from what you grew up in and what she grew up in as if one is more than the other. Um, It's really just about the awareness of that personal person's experience. And I think that's what creates so much of this separation and conversation based off of what one perspective might look like in a major city versus what you're thinking that you're seeing in a smaller town. It's all going to relatively uh, impact a person based on their perception of that experience. And so as as a trauma professional, what we really try to highlight on is not creating the boundary of what you believe that person's trauma looks like. I can't tell my client who comes into the office that a paper cut is not something traumatic. I don't know what their experience is behind that. So I have to be empathetic and create awareness and listen to the full picture of that, and that is what allows the difference to be created in how that person then moves with somebody else that they interact with because they then have created empathy because they see that dynamic has been given to them. And that's how the, the reframing begins.
3: And to, to yeah, yeah. really –
0: So let me, let me say this,
4: if guys, I can say this real quick
0: because I want to I maybe – I'm trying to clarify something here. So I definitely understand everything you just explained. I guess what I – maybe I'm not being clear here – But what I think I've heard when Shadun made that post, and, again, that's kind of what kicked off this discussion, I'm saying where is the concept or how do we push as a society to seek out that people like yourselves for those children? Like, how do we make that push? Because what I hear Shadun saying is as she watched these mass shootings, there's all these people looking to – you know what's going on with the mental health of this person how did this person get to this point and we never are seeing that in reference to ourselves and so i guess what i'm asking is you know what is the narrative for us to even push inside of our own community that our young boys who may be in these scenarios how do we push them uh, get them to make that help because i don't see it i don't i think she does say it, she doesn't see that either so i'm just trying to figure out how do we make that push that's well, I guess what I'm trying to focus on and I'm sorry if I'm not being clear with that.
3: I so um I think what she was trying to say is the way we can bring uh, black youth, black people, people of color regardless of age to mental health is by empathizing with each other's experiences. And so if we I don't like to create a hierarchy with saying this is what you need for your life because this is what you've experienced. Instead, I trust that my clients have what they need. I have to help them find it. They already have it. So I work with clients to to show them, like, that empathy, that that's what connects us. Instead of me saying client at 9 a.m. needs to do um, therapy and needs to deep breathe and um, my client at 10 needs the exact same thing, I have to be mindful of, what Shadon might need is empathy in that situation where she was uncomfortable with a white man. She needed someone to connect. She needed somebody to see her, to hear her, and to support her in the ways that she needed. The next person might need you to make a joke with them. And until we can, like, empathize with each other and what we need, we're going to always put down the young black boy that's like, look, me, I don't want to go talk to a therapist. I want to, um, I want to write. My music is therapeutic for me. We put him down and say the only person that's doing what he needs is the person going to therapy. And a therapist saying that is me really speaking to people find therapeutic intervention in so many different things. Black people are so resilient that we've been, we've been doing things for ourselves without the, without the intention. And if we can connect intentionality to things that we naturally even do, then that's what makes healing beautiful. Mental health is one tool. Mental health care is is not is is a whole tool, but going to therapy is one tool to reach mental health wholeness. And I'm trying to make it as clear as the, uh, I can because that's what's separating us. We create hierarchy among each other about what we all need to do, and that's unfair to say, oh, all of us with all of our differences need this exact remedy. But therapy's not going
2: to speak to some people the same way. Does that make sense? That's how we grade the gap. Yeah. I get what you're saying. I guess for me, I think that's a great takeaway if we're dealing with adults who have Mm -hmm. some sense of understanding and or education around mental illness. But Mm -hmm. speaking as a young woman from a big city and particularly uh, one of the more infamous projects, A lot of things I didn't even know wasn't normal until I left. Like I knew something was off about what was happening in the community, but I didn't realize that it didn't happen everywhere. So I'll give an example. When I moved to Atlanta for college, when I saw a guy in a nice car, I assumed he was a drug dealer because that just made sense. So I think for us to say – um, and, and what I'm saying is that these young men who are committing crimes against one another and people who look like them, we're not addressing or giving them the tools that they need or even saying, hey, mental illness is doesn't mean that you're quote-unquote crazy. But you've experienced things, you've lived in a particular situation that has led you to believe that your behavior is normal. And I'm here to say that, you know, that's, That's not right. And whether you choose to do it through music, or like you said, there's definitely other outlets to mental care. I just think the fact that we're not having a conversation in general to say, Hey, guys, something is right. This is not normal. And it's okay that you uh, speak out about the fact that you feel these traumas that when a police car when I was about nine or 10 years old, I was walking on the street, the I mean, the sidewalk in front of my building, and a police car drove up behind me and literally hit the back of my leg. So the way I look at police is different. And he jumped out the car and asked me, what are you doing? And went looking for my mother as if I did something wrong. So understanding that they're experiencing all these traumas and it's normal, it's what's happening every day. Somebody has to say to them, This is not normal. You're reacting because you are experiencing some type of mental trauma because of your particular situation. And there's a way to help you versus saying, that's a shame. You out here shooting and killing each other. We need to do something about this black-on-black violence. Mm -hmm. Y'all need to do better. And Mm -hmm. that's usually what we hear. But we we have more empathetic conversation when we're dealing with mass shooters in white America.
5: Right. And
2: so we got a
0: caller. Let me say say this real quick. Let me say this real quick because I want to respect the callers, too. And I want to ask both of you um, to be respectful of your time. So we have about um, 30 minutes more of um, time, and, again, I just set a little extra time, but I definitely want to be respectful of both of your time. So uh, Rochelle and Anisha, are you all both good? Uh, for any of the time, the next 30 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, or do you need to go now, I don't want to overtake your time. So let me make sure I'm respectful of that um, before we continue. Okay. Uh, First, I, I want to make sure
3: that's
0: I'm just let yeah. me just check on the times I'll, real quick. Let me just make sure we're checking on I just want to make sure I'm respectful of y'all time. Michelle, do you are you good or you need to go? I just wanna make sure.
4: Um, I have a few more minutes. I didn't know we were going all the way to
0: um nine thirty. I apologize. No, no, that's why That's yeah again i just I just set extra time because I wanted to if callers got in, that's just something I wanted to do for the show. But I'm not necessarily trying to take your time. That's why I'm asking, you know, if you do need to go, I wanna be respectful of that. Um initial uh, what about yourself? Are you good, or do you need to go? Okay, to, uh, I have a chat? few
3: more. Yeah, I have a few more minutes too.
0: Okay. Well, either one of you just let me know um, if if you need to go. Uh, let me again. I want to one little quick. So what I what I so what I hear Don saying. I think I'm trying to say the same thing. Is it's just how do we create the dialogue for our children that so quickly happens for these <laughs> mass shooters? Like I don't, I'm not. Trying to come up with a blanket thing for our community. I'm just saying, how do we create the very the examples that she gave? How do we create those dialogues? Uh, let me go ahead and jump this caller in. We'll come with that. Come with that, and maybe we can kind of continue that and let y'all go because I want to be respectful of y'all's time. But I'm just throwing out that that's what I was trying to ask, and maybe I didn't ask it in a good enough way. All right, let's see here. Hold on. How right, do we got? Make sure I get them. Area code 770 last 3377. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and give us your three cents on this morning's discussion. We're going to do one quick comment because I got a lot of callers and my guests need to yes. go. So just, you know, let to let you get it in, though. Go ahead. Yes, this is Isna,
6: and I really enjoyed the um, dialogue that it's having. I'm going to go in. Um, is this Shadanda, the, the last person that made the comment regarding the traumas that we face within our communities?
5: That are mm-hmm. not being addressed. Um, yeah, I
6: was totally agree. And I will say that what I hear both sides stating is factual on both ends. You want to be empathetic to everybody because white people as well as Latinos, Asians, everyone has their own experience of trauma. But what I am bringing back to the um, fact of we have to have the dialogue that if they are going to say that white people do this because they didn't have a father or mental illness problems, it is the same thing, because the same things that were mentioned, um, the police bumping against the sister's um, um, leg. We have dealt with systematic fear of the police officers. These are people in authority, not even regular people, white people that we see in our communities. It's generally people in authority so our fears have been since we can remember, and that is the same stories that we have to keep telling our sons when you get to uh, police get behind you. I have fear when police are behind me, and I'm a woman because then I think about Sandra Bland. And so these are fears that are not being addressed. Not even mentioning the brothers in our neighborhoods who kill one another. That is a mental illness, to look at another brother who looks just like you, and then you think that they're worthy of being killed, probably due to fears. And these are fears, post-traumatic stress disorder. It could be not having food in your home. It could be people um, bullying you at school because of your shoes. Those things traumatically impact a person. So like the other sister is saying, it could be any number of things. A paper cut could be where somebody cut you with paper intentionally to hurt you. So what I'm saying is we just have to give the same fairness and balance to the brothers and sisters in the communities that are dealing with trauma as well. So that has to well, be Thank addressed. you for your
0: thoughts. No, absolutely. Thank you for your thoughts. I'm going to give both our guests our last thoughts so I can respect their time, and we'll keep this going for for the other callers that are out there as well. Rochelle, I'll let you address Isna first. And I know you gotta go. So you can make this your last comment. And also you can also give out any contact information if you choose. That's up to you. Go ahead,
4: Quentin. Um, yes, I think we're we're basically kind of just trying to say the same thing with the awareness piece. It's not so much of one group of people deserve more empathy than the other. I think the conversation needs to be shifted to allowing in the community of African Americans to understand that it's not always something as big as what, what one person would consider trauma uh, is what's going to cause you then to, as, as you said, getting hit on your leg with a car. It might not be that intense for somebody else for them to go and implement dangerous behavior. So it's just about really understanding the perspective of the individual person. And I think it starts with us as adults because we're training the kids. And so if we go and model behavior of getting assistance and listening to our bodies, taking care of ourselves, not just pushing through, even in small examples of you're tired from work and you just keep pushing through, you're role modeling that behavior to your child that no matter what they feel, they just have to keep going. And I think those are, it's it's that type of empathy and that type of awareness that's going to help create and make this huge reframing shift and how society and okay. people move forward and how not only do it with themselves, but other people. Um, and so I think that's, that's the focus that really needs to, to start being talked about. Um, but definitely you can reach out to me on Instagram at ask Rochelle. That is A S K R O S H E L L. Um, but yes, I want to just thank you guys so much for allowing me to share some of my input and, Um, be on this platform to have more of this conversation, because I definitely think it's important um, to talk about the perspective from not only just the day-to-day conversations, but also adding in the clinical perspective of how that can also make a difference. Well, thank you so much
0: for your time, Anisha, as well. Any thoughts? from you, and you, if you if you need to go, you can do this, you know, kind of take the same approach, give us a, a closer thought, and get out of here. You know, for any information you would like to give out as well, and myself and Shadan, we will continue with with the other callers uh, over the next 20 minutes. Go ahead. Thank you so much for being on with us this evening if you do have to go.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this conversation, and like Rochelle was saying, I think it's just pivotal that we unite as a people and do what we need to to take care of our health. And so um, I'm not saying, just to be very clear, that we have to um, continue to to paint these white men as um, such empathetic and disturbed people. I think it it also undermines the spirit of mental health that every time something is associated with it, it's so graphic and hor- horrific, and people are dying. You know, mental health isn't just that. And so I hate that it's constantly being marketed as this is something only crazy people do because continuously um, it will create a a bridge, um, a boundary between people of color and the mental health community. And so the more we get to empathize with one another, connect with one another and let people know that mental health is not just for people that are disturbed, hurting people the way that these white men have, I think people will start to go more. And I was trying to connect things that we already naturally do to take care of ourselves. When we put intentionality behind it, there's music therapy. There's there's people that um, really connect communities to mental health in ways that are so beautifully therapeutic. And so the more we connect our experiences, I think the better – we will be uh making ourselves accessible as mental health professionals um you can reach out to me on instagram at counseling with coop and it's counseling w underscore c o o p as in paul
0: okay well again, thank you for being with us and yeah you if you will you can also um Text me your the information you just gave out, and I'll make sure I post it with the replay um, of this show. But um, thank you for your time, and and again, thank you know, you so I think, much I have to, I think me. this is, yeah, I think these are conversations that we have to continue to have. Obviously, we can't get to the answers, in, in you know, in one night, and you know, and we'll we'll figure it out. But thank you for your time, and again, should so you thank know, you stay on so, with much. so Have a good night. Mm-hmm. All righty,
2: Thank you, Queen.
5: All right.
0: Well, we definitely. Got the experts' opinions, you know, from their perspective, and I think I'm gonna I tell you what I think I heard. Shadon, again, you know, we are a candid show, and I wish I, you know, obviously we could have kept them on for the last 30 minutes. And I just want to say this openly and just kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, and I and I think I've seen this before from time to time when I've dealt with experts. Um, you know, to a certain extent, especially when it comes to something as mental health, or even when you know a doctor comes on talking about physical health, um, quite often. They are, in a sense, so used to, in a sense, dealing with the individual that the perspective, what I felt like I heard was, a in a sense, a perspective of um, maybe how we're, how society, in a sense, like she just said, looks at, you know, in a sense, these white men and how they concern us. And I still think, you tell me if I'm right, but I still think we were just simply asking, what is the language to go help our boys? And I don't know that I've necessarily heard that, Absolutely. but I'm just being very candid. Okay, yeah, I'm being very candid, but I didn't know if that's what I was listening for. And I don't know. Again, this is this, this the reality. Again, I wish they were here because I would say this very same thing to them, but they had to go. So it is what it is. Um, but I still yeah. feel like I didn't hear that. And it's not that we're necessarily going to be able to give a professional answer, but I didn't hear speaking to, because I'm looking for the expert to tell me how do I co- convince a young man or what, you know, what, as a community, what kind of language could we use to become more encouraging? to help out like you said the you know you going up in that life thinking these things are normal and they in fact are not normal like like you said for those of us outside looking in we know it's not normal but like you said we'll just say look at them killing themselves and leave it at that and that that comment cannot be okay any longer in our community because it lacks the very empathy that Anisha kept speaking to. So she definitely said we need to have more empathy. I don't know if I'm for certain on how to do so, which is what I was, I guess, looking for. Any thoughts on that, and we'll go to yeah. the next caller.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a few things. First of all, I greatly appreciate their professional opinions, and but sometimes just like the young man was saying before that uh, with uh, the guy with the STEM, sometimes you get so caught up in the numbers that you can't be empathetic, right? And so I think in any profession, they're so deeply embedded into their profession in dealing with individuals that they just may not be comfortable with generalizing things, right? Because then Mm -hmm. it sounds like, oh, we're saying there's a cookie-cutter answer, but that's not what I was looking for, and I don't think that's what you were looking for. I was just really saying, it does seem to be a, a general conversation with some sense of direction when it comes to these mass shooters? Why can't we have a general conversation with some sense of direction Mm -hmm. when it comes to the quote unquote black on black crime and the traumas that are happening in our community? One of the other things that I just want to touch on really quick is that what concerned me was that term resilience. And I really think that's crippling us as a people. Yes, we know Mm -hmm. that we've been through a lot and we've overcome a lot, but it's no different as a woman. I appreciate, but also am frustrated with the idea of being a strong black woman. Right. right. Because then Absolutely. over time, it feels like there's never any room for me to be uh, vulnerable. Because I have right. to be this strong black woman. Mm-hmm. And so when we keep saying over and over, black people are resilient, black people are resilient, black people are resilient, that saying, don't worry about how they feel. And that's how a black man gets choked out because he's resilient, right. he's strong, he can handle me holding him down this aggressively, right? This is how Sandra Bland ends right. up in her situation. This is how we've experienced all of these traumas. Because everybody's like, oh, they're resilient, they can handle it, oh, so what, they grew up in the project, you can survive because you have a few success stories. But overall, you're forcing people to run away from getting help because you're constantly beating in their brains Mm -hmm. that they're resilient, meaning other people aren't. Right, so we have to be sympathetic to them and empathetic and rub their backs and coddle them when they go through the exact same thing. And it happens across the board. And there's so many examples of that. And I wish we would change the the word choice and and how we address yeah, absolutely.
0: that. Absolutely, we we yeah, that narrative. If it does not change, we will consider. We will, in my opinion, I think you're saying the same thing. We are saying the same thing that if we will continue continue to experience. High levels of trauma, but it won't be labeled trauma. Trauma because we're so damn resilient. It won't even be labeled as exactly. such. So we're walking around, don't even know we need no damn help because we so, we so proud of the fact that we so damn resilient, you know or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm feeling you 100%. Let's go to the caller. Area code eight five seven last three eight eight four. Give us your name, where you're calling from, and your three cents on this morning. I keep saying this morning. Forgive me, y'all. I do this show every Saturday morning. If you are a first time listener, so it's out of habit. This evening's special edition, Mr. Dollar Talk Show. How are you doing this evening? Thanks for calling in. Eight eight four. You live on the air. Are you there?
5: Oh, I'm sorry. Um... Yeah, this is a uh, tele in Atlanta. Um, I just want to get your, you know, I guess the call um, your guest thoughts on, um, you well, know, you know, using you know, you know, the dialogue of mass media uh, to discuss this. You know, uh, I seem frequently using the word mass shooting when, and you know, when these are to be accurate, these are uh, mass murders. Um, you know, when you constantly use the word mass shootings, you know you take out the the inherent criminality of the and atrocities mm-hmm. of these uh, mm-hmm. these acts. You know, if so I keep on hearing mass shootings, mass shootings, mass shootings instead of when they're and mass murders and and see are massacres and uh, these mm-hmm. are these people are not mass shooters; these are homicidal maniacs, and the also the you know, allowing, you know, I also want to get the, the um, you know, caller's view on trying to make a, you know, false equivalent between these mass murders and, um, you know, shootings and random crime up in Chicago. You know, these are, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a false equivalence. This is a classic false Absolutely. equivalence. And, and, you know, making these, con, you know, connections between, you know, th- things that don't have anything to do with each, you know, of each other. And also, the yet, an, yet another thing would be um, talking about mental illness and white supremacy as their as And let's do this. Being, Let me do
0: this for you real quick. As, Let me do this real quick because as you've made such a strong exclusive. point. Let me throw this out real quick. Yeah. Let me throw this out real quick. Yeah. Because you've made such a strong point, and it sounds like you have another uh, point, and I'm willing to leave you on for it. I want to peel sure, sure. back your first point. And then moving mm-hmm. to that next point, because I am blown away by what I think is an excellent point. Again, we always talk about the fact that words matter. And what do you think of that, Shadon, where our call right now is saying, hey, even terming it mass shooting is another way, in a sense, to disguise and connect it to the actual person doing it. Because, yes, if I, he's right. If I heard this thing, is if, if these were always called mass murderers, then then, yeah, we're not seeking these empathy for these. You know, for, for in a sense, for these crazy people in that sense, who again, these empathy, them, empathy is never afforded to the individual who's in a survival situation. They're just thrown the key again, thrown in prison, and the key thrown away. I think it's a strong point that he brings to the table, and absolutely, even talking about both as if they're equivalent is some BS too. But go ahead, Shadung, what, what are your thoughts on the initial thought from from my colleague?
2: No, I absolutely agree exactly what you said. Words matter, and I think that uh, we used a couple different references, and we call them domestic terrorists, we call them terrorists, I call them serial killers, but words absolutely matter. What, with that, I think that we, again, are just way too comfortable with using words that separates the person from the action when we're dealing in white America. But we're not, we don't do that in our own communities. And when I say we, I literally mean black people. I can't force white America or mass media to see us in a certain light. I'm saying the conversations that I hear within my community with people who look like me. And, and what you put, pointed out right now is a great point. And I am going to change my verbiage in how I highlight that. But some of me pulling back, honestly, is because when you use such direct, descriptions your own people are uncomfortable with that because we are we've been trained to not demonize white america
0: well it's just it's just a sense of like you said that mass media we're just accepting of that narrative because in my opinion i would say we're watching too damn much of it so we accept the language that they use and then this king right here brings to the you know the fact of the matter this is probably the more appropriate language i know you had another thought as well so again i wanted to peel that back and give you our thoughts as you asked us you know what did we think of that uh, what was the other point that you wanted to make in reference to mental health specifically uh,
5: the the uh, the idea of um, setting up the parameters of discussion to uh, talk about um is it mental health or or you know or it's, it's a white supremacy as if they're two mutually exclusive thing. Why isn't me, uh, mm. mental illness? Why isn't white supremacy mental illness? It is. And, I mean, it's a psychotic. More. It's, it's a psychotic like. um, idea. It's a psychotic ideology, yet um, there's a need to uh, – there's a subtext when you talk about, well, these people are crazy. Well, of course, white supremacists <laughs> <laughs> are inherently <laughs> –
0: by default absolutely
5: are inherently psychotic and it's a a, um it's a homicidal um and criminal ideology and it's which causes psychosis it's it's not an either or thing you know it's you know why it's it's a it's it's a it's a synonymous thing so when you have these arguments about oh this person is crazy well yeah he's a white supremacist you know why is this why is I, you cannot allow these people to make this separation. That's the first thing that Donald Trump tries to do: is separate. As I mean, he's actually uh, on the he's actually being defensive, you know, in, um about white supremacy by trying to make it make a separation by separating uh, between. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, there this connect this this false equivalence trying to make this connection between these atrocities and what happens, um, mm-hmm. to, you know, um, you know, what happens in Chicago and trying to let a massive, um massive amount of people, you know, uh, take collective responsibility for some individual, you know, um, um, um actions of some, you know, some criminals in Ch- right. Chicago, you know, that's a, that's a classic tactic to, um, you know, to, Say that the um, the uh, you know actions of these um, some criminals are are um, you know are in, are intrinsically you know um, right. uh, an indicator of the the uh, we we just basically uh, black people in general have this moral deficit you know and, it, and it's just uh, it's, it's a a normalized thing as opposed to these actions by these people who practice white supremacy is an anomaly you know. It's, it's, so you know, using this moral deficit of the of a group, you know this 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 stereotype, you know, um, um, essentially it's, it's, it's just a um, you know um, just uh, promoting a, 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 a stereo, stereotype in a, in a direct fashion by trying to make people claim responsibility or take collective responsibility um, uh, for actions of a few um so i mean so there i mean there's plenty of uh you know uh uh false arguments that are in that are um Continues presented for you. you know yep.
0: continuously used yeah let me, let me say this real yeah. quick because you i think yeah. you're bringing some excellent points to the table i always say mm-hmm. for, for anybody mm-hmm. out there that's listening i have the smartest audience in all radio and i feel like what Yo, you're yeah. hitting on right now is super mm-hmm. necessary, and I I would like to make a call right now, Mr. Dunn. Tell me if you back me up on this, but just based on just breaking down and hearing what this this king is bringing to the table, I would like to make a motion that we as black people, anytime the media throws out Chicago on any level for any use of the word, we just call bullshit off top.
5: <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. because I mean, it's a false equivalence. It, it, it absolutely no, there's no connect there is no relevant connection other than um, using a stereotype, uh, uh, you know, that's just a stereotype of a, of a group that they bringing up a stereotype to deflect. It's a racist deflection. That's all. I mean, that's all it, um, it is. It's um, Shada, and it it is, it agrees on
0: my emotions. Shada. I got my co-host out yeah, here. I'm, I'm trying to see it. if she agrees. We, just, talked, need like, like to we you just tell all death. black people, Call when death. you start talking yes. that. We call everybody mm. just call bullshit. Anybody use it in the media? Cause it is a a, a BS deflection. Like t- like the brothers bring it to the table and break it out. Why it's a deflection? And so we need to be hip to the fact that mass media keeps doing it. And I agree with you. Should done. There's too many people that are that look like us that'll take that same narrative and throw it out. Like oh, look at what we like. Stop. Let's just call stop right now. Know that you are being manipulated anytime Absolutely. that equivalency is brought up, and we just need to call bullshit off top. And, again, I'm making a motion. If you use you, that, you 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 are accepting a BS narrative that has typically, again, a false equivalent meaning nothing. To, it's not a fair comparison. Here's the other nuance that this king brought to the table. We've only got a few more minutes. But the other nuance is, like you said, even the concept of separating white supremacy and mental illness, because you are correct. If we, in fact, tell it like it is, it is a mental illness in itself. If we recognize that as a country, and I would obviously know the reasons why in a sister country would not like to recognize it that way. We definitely understand what, what is behind that. But you are right. When we call it for what it is, then that's again. How do you get rid of a problem if you never correctly diagnose a problem? So you're absolutely right. To, in in the sense that by not by trying to separate them, it's a deflection and allows it to reign just in verbiage alone. So you and and without being aware of it, you will accept that narrative as well. So a lot of great points. Thank you for calling in. Um, you know, thank you very much for calling in. Those are strong points.
5: All right, good, good night. Yeah, right. first
2: it. All right, bye-bye. Um, and, and so I would just say, too, like, although I agree with, with what he's saying, I'm also of the belief that people don't make extreme changes, right? People are it, – it's, it's okay. very challenging to get someone to jump from living their number of years on earth, seeing things a certain way, and all of a sudden you tell them to completely shift their thinking. Um, to the opposite, right? That's just highly unlikely. And so that's why I usually try to address people in a way that they're already accustomed to seeing things. And that's Mm -hmm. why I'm saying if you can see mental illness in white boys who murder, then that means you're capable of seeing mental illness connected to murder, right? So if you can do that, then now let's look at these black boys, these Hispanic boys, or any person who commits murder, and not to paint, not to paint, paint, excuse me, um, a broad stroke across it and say if you kill that you're dealing with mental illness. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm right. saying yeah, and, is that and, and we definitely start having And both the professionals, we have been very that careful that we didn't do
0: that. So that was good you did that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They were very careful. No, no, careful. no, that's not what they I'm that, saying. I'm just saying I agree that with we, them. we don't, We don't want to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree, though. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And then with nah, the Chicago, it's very, piece very, is the same. I don't want the media to keep using that as a spinoff, right? But what I'm saying is that we are we do experience some real traumas. We do as black people as a whole. And even what you saying that you be from being from the south and me being from the city, yes, our experiences were different. But there's traumas that you experienced in being a black man, period. So yeah, how do we address that? And let's not simply say that, because even I totally agree that white supremacy equals mental illness, but in the same breath, again, like the young ladies, the queens were saying earlier, I want to be careful with that because mental illness is not just always that extreme. Like I I always tell people, I think all of us need therapy. therapy. And whatever that looks like, whether it be, she talked about, Musical therapy, or you know, using writing. There's different forms of therapy, but we all need some type of outlet because, as a people, we've been forced to wear this resilient mask that we never even discuss the issues. In turn, we can't even identify them because we just live through them.
0: Yeah, very fair. Let me throw this out. We only got a few more minutes left on the show, and I'll just throw this out as a thought. And again, I've, you know, pretty clear. I mean, you've been with our community club for a long time, and so you know, I, I definitely make it known I'm not a TV watcher uh, and really intentionally just due to a lot of the things that we're talking about. And I once had this uh, Queen o. Maria Lloyd, who we were talking specifically at the time about uh, you know, like police brutality situations or shootings and things of that, of that nature, and she said this comment, again, I was already in the space of not watching too much TV partly for the reasons that, that I'm about to share, but this is just something I think to, we have to apply very quickly before we get off the show. She just said that in reference to the, continuous, the continuing showing, for example, of a police brutality situation, um, she said, in the reality, it hasn't changed the actions of others, if you will, you know, quote, unquote, others. And so to understand that those videos are mostly for us, so therefore don't watch, watch them because of, reinforcement of these traumas that you're speaking about and what they bring to us so I will say now where she was talking specifically the police brutality videos and not watching them over and over I would offer that a lot of civilization I'm not saying that word right in, in, in mass media I would offer it's smart for us to be careful of all of it uh, in order to in my opinion experience less anxiety anxiety and be able to go forward in our lives any thought, quick thoughts on that we got a minute and a half before we go but I would love to hear your thoughts on that perspective
2: yeah i would i would just quickly say that everything is in moderation right so no you shouldn't just sit back, and I, I forget the term he used. I thought it was so brilliant, but he was just saying, just sitting back and watching it all day long. I forgot what the term he used. Trauma bonding. No, you
0: shouldn't. Trauma bonding.
2: Yes. So no, you shouldn't just sit back and watch it all day long. If you watch CNN, they're playing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Right? Or any news outlet. But it it is there. I will say that I've felt this anxiety well before these last few weeks, well before social media eras that brought it to the forefront because I lived it, right? It was my personal experience. So I don't connect the two. I don't blame social media or the media. In in some essence, I just feel like it puts it in the forefront. Whether it's for us to watch or not, I can't say that it's not having an gotcha. impact on white America because well, do I don't know. Well, let's
0: 15 seconds, and you are too dope for people not to know how to stay in contact with you. So give me the 10-second view of how to stay in contact with She Prints It.
2: Absolutely. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, is She Prints It. On Instagram, is She Prints It. You can check out my retail line on sh- SheWear.Club on Instagram. And if you just want to follow me and my little life, feel free to check me out on Instagram. It's Sherdon, C-H-E-R-D-O-N underscore C-E-O. And on Facebook, I'm Sherdon Reynolds. And this has been amazing. Thank you for indulging my idea or my conversation. You're super dope. Um, So I appreciate you, Montoya, as well.
0: You're absolutely welcome. We'll see you all Saturday morning, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Mr. Dialog Talk Show, every Saturday morning. All I ask is that you take